Hey everyone, welcome to the third episode of podcast.yaml. I'm your host Mohan and with me are Gaurav, Karthik and Sindhil. What are we going to talk about Karthik? Well, the recent news uh, from CNCF, uh, Helm has graduated. So I thought we could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that that really is something, right? Helm is in V3 and it just graduated. So, so when I uh, go and look at uh, what actually CNCF graduation means, so CNCF is a foundation like, you know, the Apache Foundation or Linux Foundation. And, and they have certain governance rules and models and things that you have to do to mm-hmm. get a project graduated. So two things generally stood out to me when I looked at the graduation page. One is a proper governance model, which should be documented. And the Helm actually has a separate uh, repo, the community repo. So in that repo, you can see all the government's documentation. And the second one that stood out for me was a third party security audit. Now, this is actually really important and something that uh, especially a lot of customers and implementers will look for. And we all know recently Helm had a a small issue with the data race uh, problem, which was fixed. So it's really good that all those issues were solved and it generally moved up from incubating to graduation stage. Although uh, on a different point, right? So if you look at, for example, other projects like container runtimes, only container D has graduated, whereas... uh, you know, things like cryo and all have not yet graduated. So mm-hmm. it still, it's still doesn't guarantee that, you know, it's, this is the project that you have to pick. Rather, it just gives it that approval that this project is being governed. It's not going to be abandoned and it has had its uh, sort of security audit. So it's, it's generally a very safe, secure pick for a long-term investment. This whole graduation thing is mostly about making sure that this project is not bound to a single company. And if that company decides to kill this project and it's not like it's going to go unmaintained, right? Helm in this case, it has committers from what I, from what I heard, it has committers from 17 different companies or 26 different companies, something, something between that. Yeah. Um, That's generally what happens to a lot of these open source projects, right? One company sponsors an open source project. And when they either, when they go out of business or if the, maintainers leave the company and go to a different company, the project just dies. Absolutely and, right. And other than that, it's also uh, the, the, the governance thing that you were talking about. It's also mostly about things like conflict resolution and who gets to have the last say. Otherwise, you know, you'll end up in situations where one group of people would want one thing and the other group would want another thing. And then you have folks and both will claim legitimacy to the original fork. Yeah, we don't want any GitHub flame wars. Some of the major changes I would want to um, highlight with Helm was we sort of removed or Helm sort of removed the use of Tiller. Tiller was the tool which they were using um, on the Kubernetes cluster itself. Yes, so they now directly talk to the Kubernetes API. So in previously in, in version 2, the Helm CLI tool actually posted stuff to Tiller, but now um, it just posts to the Kubernetes API, which means it generates all these deployments, all the Kubernetes objects on the client side, and then posts them uh, to Kubernetes API. So how is uh, Helm uh, compared to other software in the same uh, field, such as the uh, application definition and image build? It's mostly, the market is mostly um, covered by Helm. Um, and there are other uh, things like Tilt and Scaffold and all these things that mostly cover the development side of things. What about uh, Packer? 
Um, they are got, completely yeah. in different. Um, okay, so the target, so the idea with Packer is mainly to build reusable images, right? And you can build these images for different targets. You can build it for, let's say, EC2. You can build it for a Docker image or something else, for that matter. So Packer generally tends to package your software within an environment. Helm is more of a package manager for Kubernetes environment. Um, for example, I install MongoDB on the cluster itself. So Helm, the Helm MongoDB package, it sets up MongoDB such that there's replication. Um, it sets it up with backup, and it sets it up with some sort of snapshotting as well of the image itself. Um, so Helm is rather like a way of generating Kubernetes definition files. So it, so Helm itself does not create those images per se. It reuses the images which are uh, found at um, hub.docker.com, Docker Hub itself. And not only that, there is another big advantage of using uh, Helm. So Helm also lets you to customize your Kubernetes configuration files uh, dynamically during the time you install a chart. So what I mean by this is uh, you can prepare a generic Helm chart. Uh, Helm chart is, by the way, the term that is associated to the Helm package. So once you package your configuration files into a generic Helm chart, then when you decide to deploy this Helm chart into a particular Kubernetes environment, at that stage, you can actually customize those configuration files on the fly, uh, depending on the particular environment you are deploying those uh, Helm charts into. So if you are deploying it into a development environment, then you can uh, customize the parameters. So Helm allow, uh, allows you to do that. Similarly, if you are deploying it into a production environment, then on the fly, uh, you can customize the deployment at the time of deployment, still using the generic Helm chart. So that is a very powerful feature of uh, Helm. So we have like the Postgres chart, which is available on Helm repository. So Postgres is an open source software. We all have pretty much dealt with Postgres. It comes with different configuration itself. Like if you're if you deploying Postgres on your cluster, you might not require sharding or you might have um, certain restrictions on the disk size. Like you do not want this disk size to be um, more than, let's say um, your data is really small and tiny. You might not require more than two GB of data. So you can configure Postgres with all those, um, that Postgres chart with those value files, uh, with those configuration values while you're installing the Helm chart itself. So the real deal with uh, this Helm chart is, you know, think about this. Even in the simplest case, you have uh, deployment.yaml and service.yaml, two, fi two files. And then you have to do kubectl apply hyphen f twice, right? But in a real application, you would have multiple deployments, multiple services, each referring to each other. Um, and then you'd have CRDs, you might have ingress controllers, you might have persistent volume claims, all these things. and you will have to not only will you have to do kubectl apply hyphen f like dozen dis different times but you'll also have to do it in a right order right otherwise what if you you create a, a stateful application before you actually mount the volume or what exactly. if you, you you need to create an s3 bucket before you actually start the application that's where um, the real 
power of Helm actually comes because instead of doing all these kubectl hyphen apply inside a shell script, probably all you have to do is just do a Helm install and everything gets executed in the right order and you have your application. Right. So what I'm hearing is for a large application, even say for, like you said, more for a small application, it's really useful to go with Helm for creating all your deployments and your services rather than you having to do it one by one. And especially if you're creating a large uh, microservice based application, like you said, you will have many components. So this, this leads me into asking, right? So how does Helm uh, fit uh, into the CICD space? Uh, how does it help there? It sounds as though if I wanted to set up uh, an app, a large microservice application, I would definitely be using a Helm chart, but how will I use it in a continuous uh, integration deployment scenario? So the general practice is, is to do a kubectl apply, even if you're using just kubectl, doing a kubectl apply from within your the CD, CI CD setup. So you, instead of doing a kubectl apply in your CI CD machine, you would do a Helm install on your CI CD machine. That's where it actually fits in. Because if you had all your developers do a Helm install or kubectl apply from their, uh, from their local machine, what if somebody is working from a branch and they actually have a, an older version of some other file? And then if they uh, mistakenly give a kubectl apply, or Helm install, then that would be a problem, right? So the general practice is to not give full Kubernetes right access to your users and give it only to your CD boxes and deploy always from your CD boxes. Um, do you want to talk more about um, CI/CD? Like um, many people do prefer to get uh, full format. That is, whenever Git commit is made. The Kubernetes cluster itself pulls in the changes which are part of which need to be made in the cluster. Um, so there's one um, format of deployment. The other is the CI/CD deployment format, which many of us are familiar with, where a CI, a CI system, a separate CI system, tries to push changes onto the cluster or apply changes onto the cluster when some commits are made. Uh, see, what happened uh, in traditional CI-CD systems uh, was uh, these systems were heavily dependent on scripting. So they had uh, their own scripting language or you could use uh, generic scripting languages like Python. And you will have to code a lot of uh, the business logic that goes behind uh, CI and CD. So CI is mainly for building a package for your application. And CD is primarily for uh, deploying those uh, packaged applications into whatever target environment that you had. So that's why uh, you would see tools like uh, Jenkins, which were widely used uh, in uh, CI CD systems. And these tools were very useful when the DevOps uh, culture was being adopted widely in enterprises. Uh, but then after the advent of Kubernetes and after the widespread adoption of cloud native systems, right? So people wanted more orchestration, people wanted more uh, uh, automation in a, in, a, in a way that it could be more declarative and people wanted to have more control on what is actually running within the target environment and things like that. And uh, that is when uh, Google began to widely uh, publicize an approach called as GitOps. So in which 
uh, what happens is uh, whatever uh, application configuration files that you want to use for deploying applications into your target environment these configuration files are maintained in a git repository very similar to a source code repository and these files can be reviewed these files can be checked in and you can also have a process of raising prs reviewing those prs and accepting those prs so within the target kubernetes cluster a controller will be running which will be actually polling the git repository and once it finds a new version of the configuration files it tries to compare the current state of the cluster and then it finds out that the current state is out of sync uh, with the uh, desired state and then it performs whatever actions are necessary to bring the current state to the desired state say so just to make a minor correction so this gitops thing it was not popularized by google there is this company called vworks you might have heard they they make a lot right. of uh, networking stuff right networking stuff for containers so they were the ones who came up with gitops and to um, tied with what gaurav was saying here uh, the people do prefer uh, pull instead of push because the rationale behind gitops is even in case of push you are going to check in all your yaml files to git right so there is no difference there the difference is should you give your kubernetes credentials to your cd box because if you think about it if you are going to do kubectl apply from your cd box and then if you are going to push all these yaml files essentially that's what kubectl apply does if your cd box is compromised your entire infrastructure is compromised somebody can bring down your entire infrastructure right just because they have the access token to your kubernetes cluster so instead of that instead of push uh, people started advocating for pull because of that so essentially you you push you do everything to you, to git and then you have a daemon inside that's running inside your kubernetes cluster that's pulling a git repository and anytime something changes on your git repository and if uh, it will consider the git repository as the source of truth and if reality doesn't match the expected source uh, the expectation and the source of truth then it just does whatever action it needs to to make it the reality vworks um, flux is the flux cd is is the first uh, cd system that started doing gitops and there is this company called hasura they came up with this product called gitcube and which is very interesting if you have like a single container or like a single container application in that case gitcube is very interesting you should you all should take a look at that um some gitops would have a bootstrapping problem right especially given that you'd have to have the cluster configured um to listen to a particular git repository for the changes and it should have a base setting so how do you overcome the initial setup with gitops system i think you will have to uh, install like there are different implementations right just like how uh, helm has this tiller daemon process most of these gitops systems also tend to have a long running process that's inside your kubernetes cluster which you know which won't exist by default when your cluster comes up so by whatever means you are bringing up your kubernetes cluster you'll also have to install this cd daemon so we have been using uh, argo so argo by the way it's a cncf uh, incubating project uh, but lately it has become uh, very popular and uh, it's been widely used uh, in several organizations for implementing uh, 
uh, declarative GitOps based uh, CI CD systems for uh, Kubernetes. Uh, by the way, Orgo has uh, several sub-projects, Orgo CD, Orgo Workflows, Orgo Events, and Orgo Rollouts. People would tend to use, uh, first of all, Orgo CD, because that is the sub-project that helps in implementing the GitOps-based uh, delivery system for Kubernetes. And Orgo Workflows is, can be used for implementing and uh, workflow-based uh, CI system because it supports uh, different types of uh, workflows. You, you can have workflows defined uh, using DAGs or you can have step-based, sequential, task-based uh, workflows. And Orgo events and Orgo rollouts are uh, very recent additions to the Orgo umbrella. But you will see Orgo CD and Orgo workflows being widely used. So this Argo workflows project, I think the the main intention, I don't think that's about CI. Uh, it looks like a data workflow, data pipeline kind of project, right? So because mostly uh, it's being used for transforming data from one, one format to the other and doing all these cleanup activities for data science and all that. I think that's that seems to be the target audience for Argo workflows. And so something's overlapping with Apache Beam. Apache, I think it's overlapping with Apache Airflow. Actually, when Argo Workflows was uh, originally launched, it was actually launched as a uh, container native workflow engine uh, directly targeting the likes of uh, Apache Airflow. And Airflow at that time was very popular as a data pipeline tool for transforming the data for uh, machine learning projects and uh, huge data processing projects. Uh, currently, if you see, you will see lots of organizations using workflows, uh, not just for uh, machine learning projects. So Argo workflows in my current organization, it is, it is widely being used as a uh, tool for getting your CA jobs, uh, wherein you define your CA job itself as a workflow and you execute this uh, workflow. And then, and then the beauty of uh, Argo workflows is that Every step in your workflow is a container. This gets uh, executed as a pod in Kubernetes. So you get the flexibility of actually uh, defining and specifying your task within a container itself. Does it have the ability to watch for changes in a Git repository? Because uh, from what I saw a long time ago, I think all these workflows will have to be manually triggered or they, they get executed only when there is a change. Yeah, originally when workflows was launched, right, that was the case. Uh, you never had a uh, mechanism to automatically invoke a workflow. So that is when uh, this Orgo events uh, project was launched. So you can have uh, Orgo events installed in your cluster and you can have uh, events defined which will actually watch for a Git repository or it can also it can also react to an webhook event from a git repository and that can be used in turn to trigger an argo workflow so to fill that gap of uh, getting a workflow automatically triggered you can use actually argo events by the way argo events is uh, another uh, big project you can use it for implementing uh, big uh, event based uh, architectures 
but uh, within the ci ecosystem uh, argo events is used especially for uh, watching a git repository and automatically triggering argo workflows in fact that is what we are also doing within our organization what about uh, cd do you use it for deployments blue green canary any of that there is a recent project within the argo umbrella called as argo rollouts so using an argo rollout an argo rollout is by the way an uh, crd with its own controller so it gives you a kind of resource called rollout wherein you can specify what kind of rollout you want to make uh, what kind of rollback you want to make because because if you see historically a deployment uh, resource within kubernetes uh, it supports either a rollout strategy or a recreate strategy right but if at all you wanted to implement uh, advanced deployments like canary deployment or blue green deployment then you will have to do lots of manual steps like creating a new replica set and then uh, and then you use you use the pod selectors in the replica set to actually select uh, uh, different versions of your applications and you'll have to do all those things but all those uh, all those manual steps are actually uh being replaced by an higher abstraction using argo rollouts see another another good feature of argo cd which we find it very very useful is uh, argo cd is not just limited to deploying applications to the kubernetes cluster in which it is running so it has the capability of deploying these applications to external kubernetes clusters as well and it can also keep applications in these external kubernetes clusters in sync with the desired state so there's no need to run argo cd on all the clusters and that kind of kills the point of gitops right the, the whole point of gitops is to increase security but if you are going to push um, push something from one cluster to to another kubernetes cluster then you lose that security advantage that you got from using gitops yeah i mean um so with the case of tesla which happened right they had some security um incidents recently um the security attack surface was um traced back to their ci cd systems or pretty much their kubernetes dashboard actually um they pretty much exposed their kubernetes dashboard or their cluster to the outside world um as part of the ci cd pipeline um so because of that um like so if argo tends to manage other clusters do you have some sort of permissions do you have some sort of security um, rules or controls to limit access you will have to you know configure your network policies in such a way that you don't have anything outside of the network trying to access your kubernetes clusters master plane the control plane um but even in that case what if you know if if one node on your kubernetes cluster has access the kubernetes keys and has access to the kubernetes master plane then anything running on that kubernetes cluster could have access to that same control plane right so it's a security policy i mean it's a security issue uh, so i would we would have to run uh, the argo cd daemon on all kubernetes clusters i mean in my opinion what would you like to see from the argo project in the next 6 uh, months to 1 year i would like to see uh, more single sign on integration from third party identity providers so that way it becomes uh, much easier for us to 
uh, for us to offer this to a wider set of uh, customers. So what I mean by third party identity providers is uh, most of our clients might be using uh, identity providers uh, from various other uh, enterprises. And currently the, there is an webhook integration that is provided uh, inbuilt within Argo CD. Uh, but this webhook integration works only for a limited set of uh, Git providers, namely GitHub and uh, GitLab. Uh, and again, we see our clients using other Git providers, right? So if we, it would be very easy if we can uh, have webhook integration for these other Git providers. But Argo CD also provides you with a mechanism for uh, defining your custom custom triggers. But if it is available built in, it would be very useful. I'll tell you why we are not using uh, Argo or this GitOps kind of full flow right now. So, I mean, if you push some config chains, let's say your, your Argo CD is watching for uh, config slash star.yaml and uh, any changes in any of those YAML files, Argo is going to make a new deployment with the new, new changes. Let's say that's the case, right? So, you would you could you know make some changes uh, increment a version or increase the replica count to four from three and then it'll create a new deployment or it'll change the deployment but before you trigger a deployment you'll also have to run run the tests and you'll have to run the whole ci so what seems to be the current procedure for all these gitops bound workflows is you have another ci system in and then that ci system after it runs all, all the tests and sanity checks. The last stage of that CI setup just goes to the Git repository and creates a new commit as a bot. And then uh, Argo CD would be watching for changes on, on that YAML file. And when you when the bot pushes that uh, commit, it, uh, it reflects on GitHub and Argo CD starts deploying. That's kind of ugly, right? Because your tree is going to have a lot of these bot commits. I know some people, I, I see a lot of these open source organizations where all these merge commits and deployment commits are actually made by bots, right? But that is something that's that's not uh, something that I'm comfortable with and it, it looks very ugly to me. On that part, Mohan, especially in enterprise, right? Uh, if you have a lot of bot commits, you know, if something goes wrong, we can just blame it on the bot. <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, when you say it looks ugly to see a lot of bot commits, right? On the other hand, how we want to look at it is we want the Git repository to be a single source of truth, right? So whatever deployment or whatever image upgrade that happens in, in the clusters, uh, we want that to be documented, first of all, in a single source of truth, which is the Git repository, right? So our CI system, which is implemented using Argo workflows, also works in the same fashion. So once a new version of the image is built and if at all this image needs to be rolled out, what we do is we, we actually do a comment and then we open a PR and then we actually merge the PR, right? So that, those are the, uh, those, that is a process that we have defined, but this is something that is uh, really very useful for us. So all we, all we need to do is go to the Git repository and then check uh, what is the latest commit or what is the latest ER that has been accepted and uh, Then we are very comfortable and very confident. Okay. This is what is running within this particular cluster So that is essentially making things more visible uh, Bringing in a lot of uh, governance for us 
probably that doesn't make sense for some organizations but for us it uh, works very well yeah that does sound reasonable i should probably give that a try i use C- circle ci itself with a git push pattern that is uh, once i push to git um circle ci runs its jobs and it's responsible for setting up the server so the configuration does not preserve, uh, does not really lie uh, one advantage i see with the circle ci implementation is that the configuration for each of the services resides along with the services itself so the application code and the configuration for that application code um sit in the same repository and they set up the cluster or the things which they need in the cluster at the same time the application code is deployed is that something which you see with argo is that something like do you build um the docker images or the uh, container images within argo itself yes we do actually so we use uh, argo workflows for uh, actually building the container images of our uh, applications so if you remember i mentioned that in in argo workflow uh, each and every step in that workflow is actually a container so in our case what we do is uh, the container will be a builder container the container's uh, job would be to actually pull the git repository uh pull the source code from the git repository add the dependencies uh, build the application and then uh, push the push the image into the repository and then that particular task gets over and then we would have workflows uh, which would also uh, build multiple container images and then eventually push those uh, container images into an uh, image registry so we we use workflows for that as well on a on a lighter note right so when i first heard about the argo project you know the word argo it reminded me of this great movie with ben affleck and uh, argo was actually the fake movie that they had uh, uh, created in that movie to get the people out of uh, iran so when i found uh, the argo project i was expecting well i didn't expect cicd of course so anybody know how that name came about um wait for a few years once it gets famous till uh, backport or backstreet to it <laughs> in 2015 when docker first came out it revolutionized the ci cd space people didn't have to worry about build reproducibility because the build always ran inside a container and the tests always ran isolated from the outside world and deployment was as simple as just doing a docker run but in the last 5 years complexity has seeped in again and now we have applications that span across multiple containers so i think in the coming years we would see ourselves move more and more towards an ecosystem in which code changes get deployed seamlessly i think projects like argo and helm are a step in that direction with that i conclude this episode thank you for listening we'll see you next week bye Thanks once again, Sandeep, for your time. Thanks, Mohan. Thanks, Papu. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for this nice discussion. It was really very useful. Thank you. Come to the end. Come to the end.